Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Um, so welcome everybody. As ever, we are recording this so you can listen to it um, as a podcast later if you wish to. Um, but also lovely that a, a number of you have joined us live too. So we've got Ed Rendell with us today, one of our medical directors, um, Lisa Harding, Director of Primary Care, and Dawn Childcraft, a Deputy Director of Primary Care. So um, thank you, welcome, and I'm really pleased that, that you've all joined me today. And just as we always say, please put any um, comments, questions in the Q&A box that enables everybody to see it. And then we can just type back um, replies if we've got any information for you. And as we already do, please ask any questions that are coming up for you at the moment. If we don't know the answers, right here and now then we can certainly find them out for you and let you know so without any further ado we're going to go straight across to dawn and you're going to start on a little bit about flu thanks louise yes hello everybody um nothing too onerous um it's just a little reminder really public health england have mentioned that they are noticing there's a few recording and coding errors being identified um particularly in the over 65 cohort um and they are asking us if we could remind practices please do check when you're recording um the vaccination for the over 65 cohort in particular that you do pick the correct vaccine that you've you've given them um this is basically to avoid any delays in payments because if the wrong vaccine is picked for that cohort um, or any cohort come to that, then actually it does flag and they do have to sort of stop and have a look at it. Um, there is a handy poster. Some of you probably have seen it, already got it. I'm, I'm sure your nurses perhaps have. I think Louise might be able to help and share on the screen. Here it is. I'm sure you've all seen it before. Uh, we'll put the link to this um, if you'd like it um, next to the podcast recording. Um, it is just a one sheet of paper, but it does show the vaccines that are relevant for each cohort, which might be helpful particularly useful for your nursing team to have in their clinics. That's all there was on that one. Um, one other thing for flu, um, this is just an ask, actually. Um, public health again have asked us, um, any feedback you might have, any practice that has feedback on the call and recall system done by the national team on um, our behalf for the flu vaccination programme. Uh, you might have thoughts on that, good, bad or indifferent. Um, and if you would like to express any thoughts on the call and recall system that the national team do, please do send them in. If you'd like them to send them direct to my email address, um, dawn.childcraft.wessexlmcs.org.uk or alternatively to the office email address if you're not sure and then I'm sure they'll send them on to me um, and I will send them along to Public Health who will feed into the national team. But that's all we have for flu this week at the moment. Lovely, thanks. So the, so the, the recall system has been different this year. Have we had any, any feedback at the moment? Uh, it's not been different, but um, the call and recalls that go out um, for certain cohorts at certain times, sometimes perhaps the timing of them doesn't always help everybody. Some might like a bit more help in that direction. Who knows? Um, but um, they are looking for good, bad and indifferent uh, answers on a postcard, please. Just from the point of view of looking forward to next year, I think they're going to look at what they do or don't do next year. And as ever, if people don't say anything, now's your opportunity. Of course, people haven't already got time to do it, but maybe nursing teams might also want to get involved in that as well. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Okay, lovely. Thank you, Dawn. Um, Lisa, I think we're going to talk about online access. Yes, only very briefly, I promise, Louise. So um, I think probably everybody's, we've talked about it a number of times on the webinar. So we just wanted to mention a couple of things. I know everybody's aware of the the sort of um, the fact that online access goes live as of the 1st of November. 
Um, but we just, we just wanted to really check that people um, were aware that the Royal College of GPs published a statement. Um, I think it was the day before yesterday. It came out on the 24th of October on raising their um, concerns and thoughts about online access. And within that is a link to their online toolkit, which I expect everybody's aware of already as, as well. But they do keep that up to date and it's quite helpful. Um, the BMA also published a statement yesterday regarding online access um, and just set out some of the options that practices may wish to consider. Um, although, obviously, BMA and the LMC can't um, advise practices what they need to do, but it may be aware, um, a good idea to be aware of the BMA statement. And they have included a template letter within that statement um, to system suppliers if people consider that they want to, to delay switch on of online access um, we'll put those links um, we can I can put them in the chat in a, in a moment but also we'll put them on the website with the podcast um, so we'll make that easy for people to do, to locate um, so that was just it on online access I didn't want to say anything else um, thank you Lisa um, Ed did you want to come in how is it feeling on a GP on the ground working with this sort of thing confusing I think in one word um, so I've put the two items in the chat while you're speaking Lisa um, thanks I think it's challenging, I think, as we get towards that date. I think both of the, the statements are sort of aimed at the government sort of saying, are you sure you want to press that button? Uh, are you sure there's not a patient safety risk here? And I think uh, that's the feeling for most people looking at it, but it, it really is difficult to understand what to do as a practice for that. I think people are putting out options, and I think that's the the best anyone will do. I think the the feeling is if, if anyone comes out and says, do this, then it's challenging it's got quite legal and uh, you know what can organizations actually advise other organizations to do so i think it's a really challenging thing i think there's still a potential it'll be pushed back because i think uh, there's a lot of pressure at the last moment i think it has been pushed out once but i think you have to prepare for it to be absolutely switched on and i think the the key messages are as before really the the there's options here about sort of turning it all off but then you have the impact of how that uh the what what happens with that and how that's viewed by others as the, the option of putting the code in for virtually everyone but then you've got the workload of having to do that and then there's a search you can run which isn't perfect but perhaps puts in a a, a cloud blocking access to a proportion of patients i think it's about five six percent which then can be worked through if people want to to look at or leave it um, but there's a risk with uh safeguarding with that one so basically no best option uh, it's a, a number of different options the key other message is that the code will only work before the first of november so um, i think there may be something that changes on this there's a lot of pe pressure ramping but i think don't rely on that i think uh, uh, my advice would be trying to make a decision as a practice and if you're doing something with one of the codes it has to go in before uh, November and we'll we'll see what's happening from there we're writing to we've written to all sort of local organizations stressing the risk around this um, in terms of patient letters coming into the from secondary care and results um, and also uh, the safeguarding concerns and we've had a individual conversation with NHS England team that are implementing this as Wessex LMCs to uh, express our concerns but uh, yeah it's a it's a challenging one but uh, I think it will it will uh, it will evolve over the next week or so and then we'll see see where we are after the first of November. Thank you Ed I mean both for you and Lisa um, I think when you said options so um, Marcus has said are we allowed to delay then? So I think that's a really I don't think we can give a 
a, 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 a categoric answer to that. So I think there are lots of things to balance up. So there are elements within the contracts that set out um, the, the, the arrangements to switch on access, which have been in there for, for a number of years already anyway. However, there is some sort of devil within the detail and that they do say it should not appear interfere with the delivery of essential services. And if you have the systems to switch it on and the redaction software in place. So I think as, as Ed said, we have to be careful because you then potentially get into a sort of legal argument or a contractual argument around what do you actually have to do and what can you do, um, which is why uh, it's so difficult. We can't tell practice what what they should do. Um, in terms of, you know, could you get into trouble if, if you don't go ahead? Then I think the answer is we don't know. What we do know, um, Michelle and I had a meeting with the Hampshire and Isle of Wight team. We know they're under pressure. All, all the ICB areas are under pressure. They're having to send reports up to NS NHS England, as I understand it, regularly. And they're looking at which practices have switched on and which haven't. So they're, so they're clearly looking at this really closely. I think what we don't know is what they might do with that information and, and whether they're going to be looking at contractual breaches um, or, you know, what the discretion of the ICBs will be around this. So it's, it's really, I think it's an impossible question at the moment and we'll just have to see what happens over the next few days. So I suppose whatever decision you're taking, if you've talked it through and decided what to do, keep that written down. So then if, you've, if anybody challenges you, you've got the evidence of why you made that particular decision. That's Absolutely. And I think it's just such a difficult balance to strike because, of course, the practices are the data controllers. So they have all that responsibility around um, patient information. Um, at, at, the, at the same time, you know, the, there's this contractual issue um, that some are debating. So it, it's really difficult. Um, it's really difficult. And I think practice is in a very difficult position. One other, one other thing is oh, there's probably no, no one right answer here so that we're not searching for the right answer for all practices to do. I suspect, you know, there's a variety of factors in terms of uh, how workforce is doing and pressure and, and you know, you may have a strong flavour of something in your practice. You may have safeguarding leads who value this to a certain level or, or date, you know, people are very strong on data control who view it in a certain way. Um, uh, you may work in an area with lots of safeguarding concerns where you have a higher percentage of patients who will be affected by this. There'll be some practices who I think will just, this will sort of flow fairly okay and not be an issue, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just about having that reasoned decision before that date. And yeah, it's just highlighting um, that's the blunt reality. Unfortunately, no one will tell you what to do because no one can legally say, Wessex LMC said do this option or even the BMA uh, with their lawyers who looked at this and also um, RCGP will just notice it's a, an array of options, which is mm -hmm. unsatisfactory, but that, that's um, honestly what's, uh, what's there at the moment. And could you ask your DPO to chat things through and give an opinion? Is that, is that something that you could? Absolutely. Keep them in the loop. I think, as you say, Louise, if, if people are sort of making a decision and, and keeping an audit trail of what they've decided, I think definitely involve your DPO in that discussion. Okay. Another question has come in. Um, how can ICBs tell who has switched it on? As we could have online access on for historic reasons, but expressed concerns regarding the new November area. So it's how can ICB tell who has and hasn't done whatever they're supposed to be doing? I don't know the techni technicalities. I can go back and double check. Uh, I can ask the question, how can they actually tell who switched on? I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask. 
But we think the answer is they can, because you you said that. I think because I know this the reporting regularly to NHS England. Okay. Um, and this one will run on, run on for a little while, won't it? So as 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 we always do, we will always give you any information we have, um, give give you an opinion when we're allowed to. But it feels like this one is just a, a thorny issue. But um, yeah, and, and I think that's worth remembering. I'm I'm certain this will happen if it's delayed. It will happen at another point. It's around. Uh, it's the same. It, they're going from a pilot of um, we estimate around two hundred fifty thousand patients affected to turning on the whole country in one go. So I think that's um, you know we flagged safety concerns around that, but they'll either make a decision they are going or not going on the first of November. If they don't, I expect them to extend the pilot and have another date that it'll come. So it's uh, it will come at some point, I'm sure. The work needs to be on at some stage, whether or not it's right now. And the other thing is, I think some practices have um, suggested a website that's very useful for some acronyms that people are using in notes. I think that's, that's right. One. We've done that before. We've put a link to that before. We'll put that again. And, be that. and it's when receptionists ask, are asked by patients, it's something that the receptionists can offer um, patients. So you might want to look up this and that there's sort of a very good, um, I think it's gov.uk um, website that it gives you some information. Um, and also certainly make sure we put that with these notes. Um, One of my colleagues has put, um, so that, you know, that may be a discussion with the, the teams that take the call and the practices. And I think his practice has said that if, you know, if you're getting a call like this, um, starting point is to say, is it is it looking for acronyms? And if it is, ask the patient to look at that before they come back to you again. And then the other step is around, is it something that's coming to the primary care record from a second organization so rather than trying to explain the hospital letter etc it's having um uh, teams that take calls able to highlight how to get hold of the patient advice liaison service for the other organization that actually has sent the letter with the information rather than pulling in a gp to explain a hospital letter that's helpful thank you Ed. um so back to you lisa thanks for clarifying i'm concerned NHS England may take practices already live online status as confirmation for the new service um certainly for us this isn't the case okay i'll double check thank you that's helpful yeah thank you for that um as i say we'll carry on talking about this one um and as the, as the first of november day gets ever closer we will keep it. oh there's more um is there an faq document put together for practice there are so many documents susanna yeah is there a particular good one we can point to all i mean i know there's lots on our website Yes, and Dorme, I want to add more. That there's quite a lot of resources. I know there are quite a lot of resources on the Futures platform, but I think, Dawn, you're aware of another um, mechanism where there, there are FAQs, there is a readiness checklist, uh, there's guidance for practice staff, there are webinar, training webinars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also, I, I don't know, of, I think Dawn and I both are on the sort of Futures platform for that particular area. There's a flurry of questions at the moment, and I noticed that the NHSE team are responding to questions that people are putting on pretty quickly. Um, so again, we can always ask a question on your behalf if you'd like us to, or equally, if if you're not on the platform, or if you are, you might want to post it and then everybody gets copied into the response. So it's quite helpful. Um, but we're always happy to, to raise questions and we can then circulate the answers. Dawn, did you want to I was just going to say, perhaps we could also against the podcast because there is an awful lot of information. Yeah, it's in an awful lot of places, and and it's yeah, it's almost um, 
very difficult to know where to start, isn't it, as we keep saying. But if we post next to the podcast, there's a few useful links, particularly the readiness checklist, which is kind of an FAQ. Um, and there's some other guidance, the webinars and the slides and all those things that NHS England and NHS Digital have put together. We can put those links next to the podcast recording as well. Lovely. Thank you, Don. It's sort of overwhelming amount of information, isn't it? And trying to sift through and work out what you are doing, but actually ultimately the responsibility is with the practice and that feels hard. So it's a, it's a big decision, isn't it? Thank you. That was a useful discussion. Um, I think we're going back to you, Lisa, um, for the, from the, in the PC bulletin. That's right. We just uh, spotted something in the PC bulletin last week, just we wanted to mention to make sure people are aware if they need to be. Um, so NHS England announced last year that um, a no cost time limited offer for general practice to use MS Teams to make outward bound only calls independently of existing telephone solutions. Um, there are still around apparently 31,000 licenses still available for practices or PCNs to use to support improved access over winter. Um, so there is an email address if people are interested, we could put that in the chat too um, at the CSU. I think um, the deadline to submit expressions of interest is Friday the 5th of November. So that's the end of next week, isn't it? And I think, uh, Dawn, you've just emailed them, don't, haven't you, just to clarify exactly what is available. And I think, Dawn, also you had a, a, a good idea in terms of it, it might be quite useful for things like translation calls, which we've heard from practices is actually quite proven expensive. to be... Yeah, and, you know, these calls can be quite long. So it might be, you know, might be of interest to people. Great. Thank you very much Thank for that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, and I think we're going to but um, back to you, Dawn, now for um, PCSE. I don't know why I'm smiling. <laughs> no. <clears throat> No, I don't know why I am either, Louise. Um, okay, so yes, PCSE, a couple of updates um, that have come out um, just this week from PCSE. Uh, it's another reminder, they have put this out before, but I thought perhaps worthy of a mention. Um, it's to say <clears throat> that there are rate changes for the NHS pension contributions, and I'm sure you're probably all aware of that. Um, but PCSE are undergoing um, a system change. It's actually tomorrow now, Thursday, the 27th of October, to implement the new contribution rate changes. Um, and they say whilst that's taking place, please don't try and submit any new estimate form. And once the PCSE have changed the rates, it will automatically change everybody's um everybody in the system it will change uh, their own pension um rates that are are necessary to change so adjustments will appear on the november contractual practice statement it says um for any differences in deductions that may be due to the period from the 1st of October when the new rates came into being. Um, if you do have a contractual payment date that's early in the month, you might have to wait to the December payment. But they are saying practices, please must not submit a salary change form for the 2022-23 estimate of GP and non-GP provider pensionable pays and profits until the new contribution rates have been applied by PCSC online. So if you are thinking of doing that or looking at it, please wait until after tomorrow, have a look and perhaps wait for your next statement to check the contribution rates have changed before you then try and consider submitting any new estimate forms. Um, the other thing to mention is about a supply chain issue that I'm sure actually quite a lot of you, if not all of you, are aware of, and that is um, the thorny issue of blood bottles. 
PCSC are working closely with NHS England and the supply chain to try and manage the short supply of the critical products um, until normal supplies have been restored. They are saying, PCSE, please do not place duplicate orders because if they can see there's a duplicate order, they are going to cancel them due to limited stock availability. Um, if you have further concerns, it says, please speak to your commissioner. Um, I'm sure that's something you're all aware of. It doesn't actually answer the question, unfortunately, but just to say, yes, blood bottles is on the radar. I think there was just one more item that we had to cover um, this afternoon, and that's just um, to say to those who are signed up to come to our annual conference, which is 8th or 9th of November, can't quite remember, or their anybody from their team is is coming a couple of things that we've asked people to do we have claire fuller coming to speak at the conference of the fuller report and will howard one of our medical directors is going to interview her if there are any specific uh, questions or issues that you would like will to raise please do email him in advance so that he can prepare and be, be sure to include it and so will's um thanks ed will's email address is will.howard at wessex lm mcs.org.uk um, and the other bit to mention was that we will have sort of a, a quite a reasonable um, soapbox length session um, with one of the GPC executives so again don't have to send anything in advance but if anybody has any issues or questions they'd like to raise for that session um, then please do just have a think about it and think about things that you'd want to to talk about um, and hopefully it'll be a good day. So I've got beginner's eyes on this I'd never heard of what as a soapbox before so i, I, I was I going to explain what it was so yeah, um, uh, so i've seen it at the lmc national conference and i saw it at our joint members conference so essentially you have a an expert you can ask questions of so in this case kieran from the gpc and if you want to you can go up to the front or down the sides and form a line and there'll be a uh, a microphone either to hold or stand next to and essentially you just get a minute so you get a minute to say your solution your question your irritation um try and we try and encourage sort of a you know solution-based sort of positive questions and well not positive questions i think they can be challenging but sort of uh um you know putting forward some possible solution to the the thing you're noticing or asking a question uh with it and then essentially you get a minute and then there you'll get a reply back but it, it it's intended to sort of keep things moving and let everyone have a have a say so you get a one minute on your soapbox if there's not enough people in the soapbox queue you can pop back to the back and ask another question but uh usually they're fairly popular so it's, it's just helpful to know uh in advance the thought of that usually is sort of um if i'm going something like that i'm like oh, i'm not going to go up and do that suddenly but if i've thought about it in advance i might uh, have a question ready and be willing to do it so hope you're coming and if you're are coming then maybe have a think for a question um i think that one thing i'm not sure we mentioned lateral flows lisa oh yes i forgot sorry so just that um, i'm at the end of covid myself so if you have got symptoms on your planes come to the annual conference please do an mrt before you come because we really don't want to be one of the super spreader events and 200 of you come back with covid i don't think that would go down very well so if you're able to do that that'll be really helpful we've just had a couple of other things that have come in um on the q a so i'm struggling to see the future discussion on the access issue i've followed the guidance regarding is that the 1900 setting i'm sorry i'm not entirely sure how you pronounce that and this has allowed patients access to all notes and not what the guidance suggests of access from the 1st of November. I'm not sure we're close enough to the detail to know that. I don't know whether Lisa Dawn, you're aware. 
possibly not. There are different codes. There's a 104 code, there's a 106 code, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if maybe we contact Hayley off, offline and help her um, access the, the futures platform because that's where all, uh, well, a huge majority of the resources seem to be, don't they? So if Dawn and I pick that one up outside the, the webinar, then happy to have a chat with Hayley or Hayley, rather, sorry, and, um, and email her separately. Thank you, Hayley. That's a good question. Uh, Matt's comment, if there's another blood bottle shortage, this will impact co achievements as it did last year. But at least last year's indicators were income protected. Could representation be made by the LMC accordingly? That's a good point. I think it's a really challenging one. I think the key question is, are ICBs telling practices to do something on this? So I think if practices, if practices are being told to postpone thyroid function tests on HbA1Cs, because of the blood butter shortage. And I think that's the that's where we would step in and say, well, if you're doing that, you need to protect the quaff. Otherwise, our practices will be acting as normal because they need to maintain that essential income. So, yeah, happy to – I think it's um, an area we need to get right into if, uh, if we get into the stage where ICBs are uh, instructing practices to um, stop quaff blood tests, essentially. Mm. And just to add to that, I suppose as a slight tangent, we have um, we have had a meeting with the, the regional inspectors for CQC. We've also just tried to sort of say there are big issues here at play in terms of practice resilience, capacity. You know, it's not not really back to normal. There are issues around things like blood bottles. It's all impacting on practices' ability to, to catch up. Um, and I know that Andy Perbrick, uh, one of our joint CEOs, has raised concerns about the CQC approach uh, with GPC and equally they're meeting with CQC regularly and have raised concerns around the visit structure and approach. Um, so that's very much in on their radar too. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed and Dawn and Lisa, again, for a really helpful half an hour. Thank you for all joining us. And we know that you're still finding this useful. So we will carry on doing it as long as you do. Hopefully see a couple, um, a lot of you on the 8th of November at the conference. And we'll be back doing a similar thing to this in a couple of weeks time. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.